Hey everybody, welcome back into the Fantasy Minute, back with your co-host Addison. Today we got a, a pretty fun episode for you guys. I'm going to be looking at bold predictions for 2017. Um, so this can be kind of Dynasty or Redraft, it's just for 2017. Um, but I got a couple bold predictions for you guys. Uh, this mic might be on fire by the time I'm done with it. Um, before we get into that though, we got a little bit of news and notes. Um, as you guys probably know, Eric Decker signed with the Tennessee Titans. Um, I actually, I actually like this signing, um, both from a football standpoint and a, uh, fantasy standpoint. Uh, of course this probably, this probably affects Richard Matthews the most, um, since he was the biggest, uh, red zone threat that the Titans had last year for Marcus Mariota. Um, so I believe that this will take, that Decker signing will be the, the biggest fantasy hit will be to Richard Matthews. Um, I think this also... We'll cut into Delaney Walker's upside a little bit. Um, I believe Decker's probably going to be running most of his stuff out of the slot, especially in the red zone with Matthews and Davis on the outside. Um, and that's that's basically where Delaney Walker operates is in that slot-ish kind of role, um, doing the up-the-middle stuff and then in the red zone as well. Um, so Walker, I think, is still a premier feature in the offense. Um, Marcus Mariota trusts him, but I believe his upside um, is kind of capped uh, if he's not scoring those touchdowns, those very important touchdowns for tight ends. Um, so keep that in mind um, for all you redraft guys out there. Um, Del- Delaney Walker might not be that top five gem uh, that you get late in the rounds um, just due to Decker's role in that offense. Um, for Decker himself, I see him uh, potentially as a low-end wide receiver too. I could see him coming in doing what Rashard Matthews did last year. Um, I could also see a story where Matthews and Davis and Decker are all kind of fighting for, and Delaney Walker too, are all kind of fighting for these red zone opportunities. Um, and given where or how the Titans run their offense, it's a you know the that exotic smash mouth uh, run heavy offense first. Um, so I could see Demarco Murray getting targeted a lot in the red zone as well, and and he will get his red zone rushes and Derrick Henry will get his red zone rushes um, so there's a lot of mouse to feed in that red zone area so I'm kinda I'm kind of uh, staying away from Titans receivers um, at the moment at least until maybe potentially we get this hashed out in training camp seeing what's going on with the situation um, so that's it for Eric Decker um, on to the fun part of the episode now I got four bold predictions for you guys for 2017, and I figured if we're going to do bold predictions, we might as well start it off um, with some really hot takes with the first prediction. Um, So prediction number one, Jay Ajayi will not finish as a top 10 running back in 2017. Um, Now I know what you guys are thinking, workhorse running back, Jay Ajayi, three 200-yard games, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, well, I dove into his numbers a little bit. I've been wanting to a lot because I've been hearing a lot of people say that they really, really like Jay Ajayi this year. Um, a lot of word from Dolphins beat writers are saying that Jay Ajayi is going to get 350 touches. Um, so I wanted to dive into his numbers a little bit from 2016, um, see what realistically can happen for him in 2017, and I made my opinions from there. And so as you see, opinion number one, Jay Ajayi will not finish as a top 10 running back. Um, Last year in 2016, he had 260 carries for 1,272 yards 
and eight touchdowns. Uh, also adding 27 receptions on 34 targets for an extra 151 receiving yards and no touchdowns. Finishing as the RB11 in PPR. Um, the problem isn't that he got to RB11. Um, it's, it's just how he got there. Uh, he had three 200-yard games. Um, two against the Bills, one against my Steelers. Uh, I still hate that game, but we got him in that wild card, though. Um, but those three 200-yard games accounted for 49% of his rushing yards on the year. Um, and then so the other um, the other games, he only started 13 games. So those three of those 13 games that he started were 200-yard games. Uh, the other, or he only started 12 games. I'm sorry, he only started 12 games because the one he was being a crybaby and wanted to sit out because of Aaron Foster being there. So he only started 12 games. Um, so three of which were 200-yard gains. And the other nine, um, he didn't perform all too well. In fact, his yards per game in the other nine games started was only 63.6 yards per game. Not exactly what you want out of your RB1. Um, earlier this year, I did an article on the identifying player groupings. Uh, basically, it, it looks at how players got their fantasy points uh, in, in terms of rushing yards, receiving yards, uh, touchdowns, or receptions. Um, so... Breaking down Ajayi's numbers, he actually finished as a as a quote-unquote yard monster, um, and that means that he had more than 50% of his fantasy point production come from his rushing yards. Um, normally, that, that means um, he's lacking in other areas. Uh, usually, it winds up being touchdowns, like Lamar Miller was a, a yard monster this year, and that's just due to the fact that he had a low number of touchdowns. Um, that's the same for players like T.Y. Hilton, um, you, you get what I'm saying, like a high number of yardage, low number of touchdowns. Um, when you look in the Ajayi's production, though, he had 22% of his fantasy production from his eight touchdowns, which is actually above the league average for running backs at 19%. Um, where he was lacking was in the receiving game, 12.5% from receptions, which was 7% percentage points below average at 19% for running backs, and 7% production for Ajayi from a receiving yards, which is below the running back average of 15.7%. Um, looking more into his yard monster um, stat, he actually finished as the highest percentage of fantasy point production from rushing yards in 2016 with 59.08% of his fantasy points coming from his 1,272 rushing yards. Um, so that is due in the fact that he lacked in the receiving game, which has been said from coming out of Miami Dolphins minicamp that he's expected to have an increased role. He's looked better as a receiver, um, all this stuff, which maybe so. I, I can see that he could get the increase um, off of 34 targets, 27 receptions, um, but I'm not really expecting a huge, huge increase um, like they're saying. Um, I, a reasonable number of increase would be an increase of 50 targets, for 38 receptions, so that's an extra 16 targets uh, on an extra 11 receptions. Um, so that's that's my take on it. He could potentially hit 60, 70 targets, but I'm not I'm not really looking for him to do that. They, the Dolphins as a whole, I can see, is going to be a really um, a sleeper offense in the sense that they still have Jarvis Landry, um, Devontae Parker could take that extra step. They have Kenny Stills still, Leontae Cruz still kind of sitting out there, so. Uh, it was just continuity across the board for the Dolphins' offense. Um, so I'm not really sure how much increase J.H.I. is going to get in the receiving game. Um, 
So, like I said earlier, he is reported to get 350 touches in 2017. If you break that one down to potentially 300 carries for 50 receptions. <laughs> no way do I see that happening. I'm sorry, no offense to Jay Ajayi, but no way do I see that happening. Looking at 2016, only one back saw more than 350 touches. David Johnson. Um, Le'Veon would have hit it if he played all 16 games. He was really, really close. He was close to 350 in the only 12 games that he played. Um, but only one back actually surpassed 350 touches last year in 2016, and that was David Johnson. So are we really going to say that Jay Jai is in the same tier as David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell? Uh, no, not me. Sorry. Um, looking more at it, workhorse backs with more than 50 receptions from 2016. Um, there were five. David Johnson, Le'Veon, DeMarco Murray, LaShawn McCoy, and Devontae Freeman. All these quote-unquote workhorse backs with more than 50 receptions. Uh, I still am not putting J.H.I. in that tier of running backs. Um, Murray might take a hit, but David Johnson, Le'Veon, McCoy, and Freeman are all, you know, these these workhorse guys who are getting the, the carries and they're getting the targets and receptions. Um, then they, they're dual threats out of the backfield. Um, if you look more into his 300 carries that he is projected to get in 2017 based on 350 touches, that's an average of 19 carries per game. Last year, Ajayi had only four games that he started uh, with over 19 carries. So if you, And actually, um, he had seven games over 19 carries, three of which were the 200-yard games, but we'll get to those in, the moment, in a moment. Um, but... If you take those out, he had four games over 19 carries. He had in that those four games, he had 82 combined carries for 289 yards, which is an average of 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, also, last year he had five games with less than 19 carries. Uh, in those five games, he had 75 carries for 284 yards, which is 3.79 yards per yards per carry. Um, that just added into the whole fact that he only averaged 63 yards per game, um, if you're not counting those three 200-yard games. But he did have those three 200-yard games. All right, sure, yeah, he had three. Um, so we can't discount that at any means. Um, uh, you know, like the great running backs of all time, they'll have, you know, you can count on your fingers how many 200-yard games they had, and Ajayi had three in one season. Um, okay, so do we really expect Jay Ajayi to have 200-yard games again in 2017. I'm not, personally. So let's drop those down. We'll drop them down to uh, a reasonable 150 yards per game. So uh, in those three games, instead of rushing for over 200 yards, he rushed for 150 yards. That's a loss of at least 150 yards um, on his 1,272 total. Um, in other words, that's a loss of 15 fantasy points. Losing those 15 fantasy points with all of the things being equal J.J. would have finished as the RB15 in 2016, which is one spot above everybody's favorite, Todd Gurley. Um, if you drop his three games to only 100 yards per game, you lose 30 fantasy points total, which would have finished him as the RB21, one spot ahead of Matt Forte, and two spots ahead of Jeremy Hill. If you drop all three of his games, of the three of 200-yard games, to his average yards per game over his other nine games started, down to 63 yards per game. That's a loss of 40 fantasy points total, which would have put him as the RB23, one spot ahead of Terrence West. Now, um, you guys are saying, well, he's going to make up for that those 200-yard games with his increase in receptions. All right, sure. 
So if he, we increase his receptions from 27 receptions to 40 receptions, plus an additional 130 receiving yards, so that's 10 yards per reception on an additional 13 receptions. Um, that adds an additional 26 fantasy points to whatever he lost from not rushing for 200 yards three times. So in a sense, um, if he if he drops down to three 100-yard games, he's still losing four points, which actually does not finish as a as a RB1 um, due to how close all of the running backs finished. Here, I can actually pull this up real quick. I'm actually surprised I didn't have this one already ready. Um, but... In a sense, that's, that's not really what I'm looking for in my RB1, um, especially for Jay Ajayi, who is currently going at the start of the second round um, in redraft leagues and is also a pretty um, valuable asset in dynasty leagues. Um, so Jay Ajayi finished last year with 215 fantasy points. If he would have lost those four fantasy points, yeah, he would have been RB... Uh, 12 would have finished behind Frank Gore um <laughs> Frankie all right so anyway bad radio there but you get my point he's he might not finish as an RB1 my bold prediction was that he wouldn't even finish inside the top 10 um for all those reasons that I just named um prediction number two uh keeping in the spirit of running backs and keeping in the spirit of running backs who will not finish as an RB1 uh, Jordan Howard will not finish as an RB1 as my second prediction. Um, this one isn't very statistic um, related. Um, it's more of a gut feeling. Um, in 2016, Jordan Howard had 252 carries for 13, 13 yards and six touchdowns, also adding 29 receptions on 50 targets for 298 yards and a touchdown, finishing the year as the RB10. Um, so breakout rookie year for Jordan Howard, but Breakout rookie year sounds a lot like Todd Gurley. What else is, um, what is a lot of other similarities between Todd Gurley and Jordan Howard? They both play on terrible teams. Um, I see a lot of similarities between Howard and Todd Gurley, um, maybe not talent-wise, but in the fact that they both had their breakout rookie years. They both play for bad teams, and they're really the only dynamic weapon on that team. Um, in 2016, Todd Gurley rushed for 885 yards and six touchdowns on 278 carries also adding 43 receptions for 327 yards on 58 targets. Um, so he was still a big, big part of the offense, and he got fed. Um, but it's just due to the fact that defenses stacked the box. They were eight in the box um, on him, and they honed in on Todd Gurley because if they took out Todd Gurley, the Rams who didn't really have anything else offensively, um, maybe outside of Kenny Britt. But um, you can put your money on the fact that if you stop Todd Gurley, you stop the Rams off. That's basically the same thing that I see going on with the Chicago Bears next year. Um, I think they're going to be in the bottom five of the league. Um, and Jordan Howard is really going to be the only weapon on that team. Therefore, defenses are going to stack the box. Honing in on Howard, you take out Howard, you take out the Bears offense, you win the game against the Bears. Pretty easy. Um, on the plus side for Howard, he is going to get fed carries, um, being that he is the only true offensive weapon. I just have a really bad feeling for Howard this year. Um, that he could be this year's Todd Gurley from last year. Um, so because of that, I'm not trusting him as my RB1. He is like Jay Ajayi going at, in the second round. Um, and that whole entire spectrum right there of second round players, I'm, I'm not really putting my trust in. But Ajayi and Howard are definitely two of those that I'm avoiding for 2017 in redraft. Um, 
dynasty wise for Jordan Howard. Uh, if you can get him for a good price, um, go ahead and get him. Obviously, um, I'm not still not trusting him as my RB one. If he's your RB two, um, he'll put up enough solid weeks that if he still finishes as an RB two, like Todd Gurley did last year as the RB fifteen, um, that's still a win for you. Just not as your RB one. Prediction number three, still being negative here, um, but we're moving on to wide receivers. So prediction number three, T.Y. Hilton will not finish as a wide receiver one. Last year, he had 91 receptions for 14, 48 yards and six touchdowns on 155 targets, finishing as a PPR wide receiver five. Um, he had career highs in targets, receptions and yards last year, um, all above his career average. And actually, if you take out his rookie year, um, and look at his last three seasons average. He's only averaging 78 receptions on 135 targets for 1,185 yards and six touchdowns. Um, basically, if he were to regress back to his mean in 2016, he would have finished as a PPR wide receiver 13, a.k.a. Jarvis Landry. Um, and actually, if you look at the two players' um, comparison between T.Y. Hilton and, and Jarvis Landry, there isn't that all, all that much... Um, not similar, different, all that much different between Jarvis Landry and T.Y. Hilton. Um, they're both um, number one targets on a pass-ish heavy offense, um, but they don't score touchdowns. They rack up their points by yards and receptions. And so I understand that uh, T.Y. Hilton had almost 1,500 yards last year. He led the league in receiving yards, but it took him leading the lead in receiving yards on career highs in receptions, yards, and targets to be the PPR wide receiver five. Not one, not two, not three, five. He doesn't score touchdowns. If he were to score touchdowns, we wouldn't be singing a different song right now. But if he's putting up similar production to Jarvis Landry, but he's being valued as a top seven, top eight, top ten for sure wide receiver, but Jarvis Landry is barely even being considered as a wide receiver too, I don't understand where that comes from. So, um, on back on to T.Y. Hilton, my little Jarvis Landry rant right there. Um, if you look at what was different between 2015 and 2016 for the Colts, um, the answer is Dante Moncrief. Um, as much as everybody wants to bash on Dante Moncrief and love him um, more than he should get, uh, Moncrief was the reason why T.Y. Hilton finished as well as he did in 2016. In 2015, Dante Moncrief had 64 receptions on 105 targets for 733 yards and 6 touchdowns. 2016, due to his injuries, he had only 30 receptions on 56 targets for 307 yards and 7 touchdowns. So basically, his receptions, targets, and yards all cut in half. Touchdowns are made the same. Um, so, in a sense, what we were missing was, from Moncrief from 2015 to 2016, was 34 receptions for 426 yards, a.k.a. that went to T.Y. Hilton. Um, Hilton was the main beneficiary with no Moncrief in 2016. Because of that, Hilton um, will not finish as a wide receiver one in 2017 due to Moncrief having another year um, if he stays healthy. They have Kamar Aiken now too. Um, Jack Doyle is supposed to get an increase. Eric Swoop is supposed to get an increase. Marlon Mack could see some stuff out of the backfield. Um, all these reasons, T.Y. Hilton will not finish as a PPR wide receiver one. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, um, T. 
T.Y. Hilton actually has only one wide receiver season in his whole career prior to 2016, and he actually finished as a PPR wide receiver 12. Um, that was the year he had 1,300 receiving yards. So again, receiving yards, yard monster. Like I said with J.H.I., he's a yard monster. He doesn't score touchdowns. Um, so I, because of all that, I'm not trusting Hilton as my wide receiver 1 in 2017, especially where his redraft ADP is as a wide receiver 8. And even his dynasty ADP is wide receiver 9. Um, he's 27 years old, so you get ages now should probably be jumping off board um, or off the ship of, J of T.Y. Hilton. Um, 27 years old, wash out guys. <laughs> um, so that was prediction number three. T.Y. Hilton was not finished as a wide receiver one. Um, last prediction here for you guys. Um, we're flipping the script a little bit. We're going to be a little bit more positive. Danny Woodhead will finish the year 2017 as a PPR RB1. Um, don't call me crazy. Danny Woodhead has two previous RB1 seasons, both with the Chargers both years, he saw more than seven. Uh, sorry, he saw more than 80 targets, 600 receiving yards, and six receiving touchdowns. Plus, he's a running back, so he still runs the ball. That means he's getting three to 400 yards rushing uh, per year, and maybe an extra two to three rushing yards. That means that he's a 1,000 all-purpose yard back, around eight touchdowns, 60, 70 receptions. That puts him at RB1 already. Um, now, if we look at his destination where he landed this year uh, in Baltimore, and we look at Baltimore's situation, um, Baltimore last year led the league in percentage of targets to the running backs with 32.4%, which is actually ahead of Atlanta uh, by 2%. That one's thanks to TJ Hernandez. Um, everybody go follow him on Twitter. He's an excellent source for a lot of statistics and everything like that. Um, so Baltimore led the league last year in targets to the running back. Um, if we project that one out to 2017, let's say Flacco throws the ball 500 times, um, which is about average for where he's been minus last year, um, where he threw for over 650 times. Um, but if we keep it at 500, that means 150 targets to go into the running back position, which is going to be between Danny Woodhead, Kenneth Dixon, and Terrence West. Um, Dixon's serving his suspension, so he's not going to see... Um, a good handful of those targets for the first four games so the main beneficiary is now Danny Woodhead and this is also assuming that Flacco only throws the ball 500 times if you were to eclipse 600 times um, and get back to where he was last year that's just more targets to Danny Woodhead that's just proving my point um, there's no reason that Danny Woodhead shouldn't see more than 70 to 80 targets um, shouldn't see less than 70 to 80 targets um, in 2017 John Harbaugh or I forget which Harbaugh it is. I hate both of them anyway. Harbaugh wants a guy who can do um, exactly what Woodhead is, has done his entire career. He wants a guy who can catch the ball, be dynamic out of the backfield. He hasn't had a back like that since Ray Rice. Um, they've tried with uh, Buck Allen and Justin Forsett. Buck Allen had 62 targets in 2015. Forsett had 59 in 2014. But they haven't had a guy to eclipse 80 targets out of the backfield since Ray Rice. He had 73 in 2013, 83 in 2012, 104 in 2011, 82 in 2010. They haven't had a guy who's been able to do that since Ray Rice in 2013. Now Danny Woodhead, the epitome of receiving back, um, now comes into Baltimore. All these targets are gone between Juzjek, uh, Steve Smith, Dennis Pitta, um, 
all these targets are gone up there. They signed Jeremy Macklin, but I'm not sure how much he's going to get when what Baltimore wants to do is throw to the back. Um, so because of all this, Woodhead is the guy to own in Baltimore. He's going to get the targets. He's going to be um, exactly what he did in San Diego, exactly what he did his two other years where he was an RB1. The one year he actually finished as the PPR RB3. Um, and don't even get me started on his price. Redraft ADP, he's the RB28 at the end of the sixth round. Uh, Dynasty ADP, he's almost free. He's 154th overall in May um, DFF ADP around guys like Marvin Jones, Rob Kelly, Robert Woods, Jeremy McNichols. Uh, I get, I mean, he's 32 years old, but for a competitor, um, if you buying him at that price, that's a no-brainer. He's essentially a third-round pick if somebody wants to get um, some rookie fever, or if they're looking ahead to next year, that's 2018 second. I'm easily paying a 2018 second for Danny Woodhead if you're a competitor. Um, why would you not pay that for a guy who could potentially be an RB2 on your team, RB1? He's more than just your flex. He's gonna, he could potentially be an RB1, and that's why I'm saying he's going to be an RB1 in 2017. Um, his situation's perfect. He's going to be targeted. He's going to do exactly what Danny Woodhead does, and that's catch passes out of the backfield and have 1,000 all-purpose yards. That's exactly what Danny Woodhead is. So those are my four predictions, four bold predictions for 2017. Running back for you guys. Jay Ajayi will not finish as an RB1. Jordan Howard will not finish as an RB1. Uh, T.Y. Hilton will not finish as a wide receiver one. And to flip the script, uh, Danny Woodhead will finish as a PPR RB1 in 2017. Um, so I hope you guys uh, liked the episode. It was really fun for me to put together and thinking about bold predictions. Um, some of these guys I don't really like, especially at their price. And Woodhead, I love at his price. Um, another reason I'm advocating a zero RB approach for 2017 and redraft. Um, so um, I hope you guys liked it. If you want to talk to me more about these bold predictions, um, you can find me on Twitter at amazehaze underscore DFF. Um, you can also shoot me a couple emails or whatever if you have some questions. Um, I can, you know, do roster breakdowns. I can, you know, hit you guys up with trades and stuff. Um, I've had a couple people already DM me looking at, you know, keeper situations. Would you do this trade? What do you guys think? Um, I try to be helpful, and I hope it works out for you guys, um, giving you both sides and everything like that, giving you all the information you need so that I'm not the one making the decision. You're making the decision, but you have help and advice and guidance um, from uh, somebody who probably doesn't know what he's talking about but likes to think he knows what he's talking about. Um, so at... Fantasy Minute 814 at gmail.com is where you can email me um, on Twitter at amazehaze underscore DFF. I'm representing the Dynasty Football Factory, so guys, go check out that website. We're pumping out content every single day. Um, we've been doing these series now with buy sell holds for every single individual team, so that's great information out there. Um, Debbie guys are still pumping out Debbie content. We still got the Debbie Watch going. Um, podcast dropping every week you got the dynasty Warzone, edge crushers and the fantasy fellas go check out those guys um if you guys like the podcast again subscribe leave a review i'll read all reviews um on the podcast live um but only if they're five so i mean i'll read other ones too but as long as you guys aren't killing me on here i'm, I'm just trying to do this for fun um but if you guys leave a review um i'll definitely read it on here 
Um, so subscribe, leave a review, um, tell all your friends about the Fancy Minute. <laughs> um, go um, follow me on Twitter. Go do Dynasty Football Factory. This is a really bad ending. I'm sorry, guys. Um, so check out Dynasty Football Factory. Check out everything, all the content we've been pumping out. Um, find me on Twitter at Hayes underscore DFF. Um, I hope you guys really like the podcast for bold predictions for 2017. And I'm going to stop talking now. So um, see you guys. Thanks for listening.